This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. We're going to go straight to the scriptures, to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. Luke, chapter number 16 is where we're heading. And we're in the second Sunday of a series that we kicked off right after Easter. And it's called Free at Last. Wanting to find freedom in a few areas. And one area in particular is I am determined to help people find freedom from the lies, from the lies of the enemy. Here's what we know about, about the devil or Satan, Lucifer, whatever, however you refer to him as. I just know he's the enemy of your future. And one thing we know about him is when he speaks, he's telling a lie. The, the Bible says he's the father of of all lies, and lying is just kind of like his native language, and uh, when he's talking, I promise you, it's not worth believing, and there's a few reoccurring lies that he tells that I'm just determined to try to help people find freedom from, okay? So last Sunday, we talked about a word called strongholds, strongholds. What a stronghold is, it's a lie of the enemy that kind of makes its way into your mind that makes you believe That it is bigger and more powerful than God. And the truth of the matter is there's nothing more powerful than the Lord. Somebody say amen. So uh, that was last Sunday. And today what I want to try to tackle is over 50% of all prayer requests. So when somebody says, Pastor Tommy, if you don't mind, help me pray over this matter And they share the need. Over 50% of all prayer requests in local churches in America are financial needs. So today, we're not here for a financial class. I want everybody to take a deep breath. We're not taking up an an offering. It's nothing to do with any of that. I want to help you see in the Word of God how to come out from under financial stress through using the Word of God to combat the lie of the enemy about money. Because money, for some reason, has always been confusing, even in Scripture, and I'm going to help you see that right now in a text. We're going to learn about a word called mammon, mammon. Luke chapter 16, let's get started. Luke 16, verse number 9. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, uh, that they may receive you into everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, there's that word again, who will commit to you trust the true riches? Who who will commit to your trust, rather, the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what, what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. And here's the last thing, and I've got it highlighted in my, in my uh, scriptures here. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve both. You can't serve God and mammon. One will be the master, one will not be. This word mammon, the reason I'm wanting to talk about it is it's not something that we use often. I know that in my house, I've never had Denora or I've never had one of my daughters say, hey, hey, 
hey, Tommy or hey, babe, hey, dad, I'm, I'm going over to a friend's house. I need some mammon. Uh, no one said that. I've never, I've, I've never gone to a restaurant and said, hey, you know what? Uh, I, didn't, I, don't have my, I don't have my wallet that has my mammon in it. We don't use the word mammon often. Obviously, it's referring to finances, to money. But let me help you know why the word mammon is used here. Mammon is actually connected to, it's rooted in, the Syrian god of riches. The Syrian god of riches, which is rooted in Babylon. Babylon, which, which if you'll study your, your, your scriptures, is the Tower of Babel. And that is where there was great confusion from speech. Mammon is, is connected to this word confusion. Now, let me kind of go a little further with that. Throughout history, money has always confused people. If you did not know this, the expectation of how to handle money or the lack of handling money, money is the number one reason why people divorce today. And it should not be. Because money is just money. Money is not spiritual. Money is not carnal. Money is not good. Money is not bad. Money is just money. The problem is the enemy has taken something that you need. All of us need money. All of us want money. Because we realize we need it. So you're, you're not going to, you know, that money's not, without money you're not going to eat Without money, you're not going to have a shelter to sleep in. You're not going to have clothes on your back. You need money. The problem is, is that it's not having money. It's when money has you. And the enemy has twisted our thinking, and we have allowed ourselves to become submitted to the dollar. Money has become the master. Money calls the shots. We go to work now. We go to work money, not for, not for the, the sake of fulfilling our purpose and our passion in life. We work for money, and we very seldom have enough money left over to make our money work for us. So we're going to look at Scripture. Again, this is not about, it's, it's, it, it's not a financial class. I just want to try my best to silence the lie, and I'm going to share a few of these lies with you. About money, there's some of you that have bought the lie about finances, and you're suffering from it. And I want to help you, help you with it. So, national television stations are so focused on it that NBC has a designated channel for money. Fox station has a designated channel for money. Bloomberg has a designated channel for money, and they're all confused about it whether they've been let down by the stock market or whether they've done well in the stock market, money, 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 money. If the government is confused about money, and do y'all know that the government's confused about money? Matter of fact, if the government was, was a person, if we were able to take the government and make it a household that made $50,000 a year, the government would spend $80,000 a year, and the government would borrow another $200,000 a year. So they're very confused about money. There's a book out. I, I purchased my copy through Amazon and just had it shipped right to my front door. But there's a book out called The Day That America Told the Truth. And Americans were asked by two 
authors that went together to create this book, The Day That America Told the Truth. America was asking a polling, what would you do for $10 million? Matter of fact, let's just kind of break the silence in the room. Turn to your friend next to you and say, what would you do for $10 million? Hopefully, hopefully you will not be one of these that were recorded. Because some of these are crazy answers. 25% of Americans, one out of four Americans said, $10 million? I would abandon my entire family for $10 million. Guys, that's 25%. That means if you're here today in a family of four, one of your family members will leave all of you for $10 bucks. I've done this sermon three times now, and I keep looking to make sure Denora is still here. Because <laughs> I'm not real sure which one of us would do it first. $10 million. 25% says that I'll leave my whole family over $10 bucks. Now, that's kind of the only one that's a little bit funny. These are really staggering. 23%. It's amazing. 23% of Americans ask about what they would do for 10 million bucks. They said that they would prostitute themselves for a week or more for 10 million bucks. 16% said that they would give up their American citizenship for 10 million bucks. 10% said that they would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free for 10 million bucks. 7% said that they would kill a total stranger. For 10 million bucks. You got to be careful who you're sitting next to in church. 3% said that they would put their own children up for adoption for 10 million bucks. And somebody said this early service said, I'll do it for 100. (laughs) And the second service came along and outdid them. And they said, we'll give you 100 if you'll just take them. 10 million bucks. They said that they'll put their kids up for adoption. You might ask like I, like I do, you know, how did we get to this point? How do we get to the point that we're actually surveying people? What would you do for 10 million bucks? Where did that thought come from? It came from the enemy has made us believe that we can't make it without money. That we have to either serve money and, and we be a slave to money or else. And that's why there's... That, that's why there's people that are working not 40-hour work weeks. That's just their first job. They're working 65 and 70 hours a week, and that's before they start their other job. It's, it's why families are being broken and divided over money, and that's why marriages are failing over money. It's confusing. Most people don't know how to handle it. It's confusing. So where is the confusion coming from? Let me tell you about three particular lies. I could probably tell you 50 or more. You're probably thinking of some that I haven't even thought of. But here's a few of the ones that I know without a shadow of a doubt are being told every day. Number one, that money will make you secure. That you will find security in money. If you could just get enough money, you will be secure in your life. 
Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple, before he died, he's on record with saying this. He was on record with saying, you know what? I really thought that all that money I had, it would, it would provide security for me and my family, and it would protect me from certain things like my health, and I've realized I should have put my trust in something else. And he's got more money than all of us put together. It's false security. Matter of fact, there, are, there is a career. There, is, there are occupations. My father served for years and years in risk management of selling insurance and, and counseling people in their finances. There are careers made trying to lead people to something called financial security. There's no such thing. Do we plan? Yes, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Do we prepare? Without question, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to give everybody the truth of the Word of God. There's no such thing as financial security. You don't have enough money to dodge death. And you don't have enough money to get to heaven. At the end of the day, you better find your security in something greater than the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs called money because that's what money does it comes and it goes there's good days there's bad days there's seasons of harvest and there's seasons of drought money is nothing more than it is it's not spiritual it's not carnal money's not good money's not bad it's just a means of exchange it's just money but yet the enemy wants you to think that you're only going to ever find security in this life. Matter of fact, Proverbs says it this way. Proverbs says in verse, uh, chapter 18, verse 11, Proverbs 18, 11, that the wealth of the rich, the money of the rich is like a fortified city. It's their fortified city. But here's the key word. It's called imagine. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. But yet the same wisdom of Proverbs 18 comes in Proverbs 11, 11 and 28, and it says, Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Nothing wrong with having money, but nothing good happens when money has you. We all need it and want it. But when it's calling the shots, it's become the master. Mammon has become the master, and you've become the slave to simple commodity. Hebrews chapter 13 tells us in verse number 5, keep your lives free. Everyone say free. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Not making money. Not saving money. All those are good things. Not even having money. There's nothing wrong with that. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. How am I going to be content with what I have? I don't have enough. Why do you think you don't have enough? Because I don't have enough for my security. How many of you ever made that really bad mistake of going on to one of those financial investment websites and trying to plug in how much money you will need to retire on? Have you ever made that really bad mistake? I mean, it'll send you straight to drinking. I didn't say that in the 830. They would think I was serious. I'm just joking with all of you. But it will make you think about it. It will make you so depressed because it says I need $17 million. I only have 1000 and I need $17 million. Who am I going to shoot for that $10 million? 
How many more kids can we have to put up? To, you know what I mean? I mean, how am I going to get there, you know? Well, here's what it says. Avoid the love of money. Let's get back to the scripture here. Why? Why can I be content with what I have? How when I don't have enough? Well, this is why. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You know what Haggai said about money? The Old Testament proverb, uh, prophet Haggai, he said, I get money and I put it in my pocket. It's like I've got holes in my pocket. It went in there and I just don't know where it went. Well, money will always leave you. Money will always forsake you. So therefore, you can't find your security in it. Hebrews says that God promises never to leave you or forsake you. Even when your money will, he won't. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What could mere mortals do to me? If God be with us, who can be against us? Someone say amen to that. So what I'm trying to get across right now in this first point today is you don't put your security in money. It's totally cool with having a plan and working the plan and having as much of it. You can get your hands on in a, in a most ethical and, and, and honest way. But don't put your security in it or you're going to find yourself lost and hurt and disappointed because money is not security. Another lie that the devil tells, <laughs> boy, is this a good one. He comes in and whispers in our hearing that the more money you have, the more significant you are. Somebody won the lottery in Burleson a while back, a couple months ago. And the morning after that was announced on the news, we were checking out of a restaurant. And I told the little waitress, I said, boy, am I going to tip you good today. Oh, really? I said, yeah. You know, somebody here in Burleson won the lottery. And she went, what? I went, somebody here in Burleson won the lottery. And she went, Instantly, she started seeing me differently. And I said, I don't know who it was, but I'm still going to give you a good tip. <laughs> Here's the thing. Isn't it weird how we view people with money? Oh, have you met her? Have you met them? Do you know him? Wow, they are loaded with money. They're no more significant than you are. If you really want to know where significance comes from, here it is, the book of Luke, chapter number 12. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, guard against greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life's not measured by how much you own. If you want to know where significance comes from, is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If you want to matter, because <laughs> all of us want to matter to someone, good news you matter to the one that matters when he gave his life on the cross for you. That's how much you mattered. He gave his best, his life on the cross for you. You already have significance, and it's not found in your money. It's found in your soul that wants to be in heaven for eternity. You matter. You are significant. You're significant to God. Someone say amen. Here's one final lie I want to tell you, and then we're going we're gonna to turn the corner in this sermon. And that is that money is going to make you happy. Money's not going to make you happy. 
How do I know that? Well, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, those who love money will never have enough. You might think, if I could just get a $2 raise, once you get that $2, you'll adjust to that $2 and you'll need another $2. If I could just get that promotion, I'm telling you, I'm taking honey, I'm taking her out to the Olive Garden. How about that little reference? We're going to get breadsticks, but we're also going to get to eat. Because once before, we only ate breadsticks and never ordered a meal. But now we're getting breadsticks and the triple play lasagna, spaghetti, Alfredo. It's 1221. Stop doing that to yourself, Tommy. Here's the thing. Once you get started wanting money, you'll never have enough of it. It's greed. How absurd to think that wealth brings true happiness. Some of the most miserable people in the world are are wealthy people. Some of the happiest people in the world are the people without anything. Now, I can tell you right now, life goes better when you have a little extra in your pocket. Can I get an amen to that? But it comes misery whenever he's not in his right position in life. Again, want to be real clear. Want to be real clear. Nothing wrong with having money. Everything's wrong when money has you. So, how do we handle this? Where do we find our freedom from the stress that money has on our lives? The kids need this much. I want this much. My wife needs this much. Stressing, 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 stressing. Well, let's find it. And it starts with a matter of the heart. It starts with position of lordship. To the book of Malachi chapter 3. If you'll find Malachi chapter 3 verse 6. Until today, majority of the times that I speak on this, I kind of take a little soft approach, throw a little softball across the plate. And, and just try to, you know, uh, you know, as a pastor, you're always trying to, trying to bless someone without, without offending anyone. Well, today I'm just going to swing for the fences. I'm fixing to lay out for you the simple plan of stewardship from a biblical perspective. Not my opinions, but from the word of God. Malachi chapter 3 gives you the first step. Everyone say the first. It's the first step to finding freedom from financial stress. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 6. I, the Lord, do not change. This is critical. Everybody give me three minutes here for a little theology class. This is critical. This is the game changer. Old Testament was something called the law. Old covenant was the law. In other words, it is the law. Don't break the law. In other words, this is the only way that you'll ever get to heaven And that is obedience to the law. Reason that's critical is that we're no longer under the law. We're in new covenant, the dispensation of grace. But God never changes. The methods have changed, but the principles are still the same. God's principle of blessing was once a method called the law. They would sacrifice animals for forgiveness of sin. They would be required to pay the tithe or the first 10% of increase to, to find the favor of God on their life. They were required for it. New Testament teachings we see in the dispensation of grace, there's not the requirement, but the principle is still the same as it was in the law. Let me make it simple for you. Once it was required, now it's highly suggested for the blessings of God on your life. 
Here's how I'm going to say it to you today. Giving and paying, returning the tithe is not salvational. You can go to heaven without ever paying your tithe. It's not salvational. And there's a lot of people in the rooms like, I told you. (laughs) I know where you're coming from. You're like, I don't know, man. We've been stressing. My wife's been telling me we better do this. Just pipe it down. The man just said I can still go to heaven. Yeah, but man, it's going to be rough getting there. And my job is to try to help you out on the way. Because I can't save you. But I can show you in the scripture how to make life a little bit better on the way. When you put Jesus Christ and the work of the gospel first in your life, it will make things easier for you from a financial stress load. Let's see it in scripture. He says, I am the Lord, I do not change. So the principle, even in the New Testament, is going to be the same. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. You have not kept them. In other words, this financial stress is not just new for us. It's been around a long time. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, well, what do you mean? How am I to return? Response, will a, will a mere man, will a mortal, will a human being rob God, yet you rob me? Whoa, God, slow down. How do I rob you? Scriptures teach, how am I robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse. This is, this is important. If there's a curse, then there's a blessing. If there's a right, then there's a wrong. If there's a positive, then there's a negative. And it flip-flops. If there's a curse, there's a blessing. If there's a negative, there's a positive. If there's a wrong, there's a right. God is trying to get them out from under a curse into a blessing. And this is how it happens. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. This is the only time in Scripture, everybody. Check this out. This is the only time in Scripture that testing is in the affirmative. It's in the positive. God's asking you, please test me in this. Test me in this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see, just see, if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. Your vines in the fields, guess what? They're not going to drop the fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So if we're going to find freedom from financial stress for every married couple in the room, my job today is to do my dead level best to give you something to consider and pray about that will keep you together And not cause you stressing over money. That over 50% of all prayer requests are about money. Majority of divorces are about money. My job as a pastor is to try to keep that stress load less or light. Okay? So here it is. The very first thing you're going to have to do is test the Lord in this. Return the first. Return the first. You give liberally that first tenth. The biblical word is tithe. Don't get hung up on that word. Get hung up on the principle of it. Give God the first. Do you realize that you're tithing this very moment sitting here today? How am I tithing, Pastor Tommy? I don't have my checkbook out. The ushers aren't down here. 
Because that's, that's just one type of tithing. You're tithing today because you are starting your week out giving God the first day of your week. You're literally tithing on your time. Some of you thought, what do you mean? I thought Sunday was the last day of the week. You know, you're grinding through Monday. You're hustling through Tuesday. You get on day and you're on the downslide and you're like come on Friday please be Friday please be five o'clock Friday somewhere please be Friday and you're hustling to get through the weekend and you got four birthday parties on Saturday three t-ball games two volleyball games and and you're just like three baby showers what's up with all the baby showers and you're just you're just struggling if I can just get to Sunday guess what it's opposite You're starting your week out on Sunday, and you're able to say, you know what, God, I've got six six days coming ahead of me. I'm going to be stressing at work. I'm going to be trying my best to get the kids on school on time. I'm going to have this appointment, that appointment for our students. I'm going to have this test, that test for our teachers. I've got this on me for our salesmen. I've got this pressure on me for our marriages. You know, we're trying to figure out when we're going to do this and be there and be here. you got a lot of stuff coming ahead. If you start coming to church on Sundays with the mindset, God, you're going to be the Lord of my week. You're going to be the Lord of my appointments. You're going to be the Lord of my, my, my challenges this week. I'm starting my week off. I'm tithing my time to make sure that you know that I know you are Lord and you're the Lord of all. My whole week belongs to you. It's, it's your calendar, not mine. It's, 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 your, it's your appointments, not mine. It's your schedule, not mine. I give you my week in the name of Jesus. It's given the first tenth. Why tenth? Why, why, why? When you get to heaven, ask God. Because I don't know why. I just know that he is asking for obedience to it. I can't afford that. I've put a calculator to it. And do you realize I can't afford it? You can't afford not to because God is actually able to do more with the, with the 90 than you could do on your own with the full 100. And let all the tithers that are currently tithing, let all the tithers give a big. I didn't even tell them how to do that. They just did that. Did you see that? That was pretty cool. Here's the deal, everybody. Listen to this. That first tenth belongs to the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 16, because some of you are hung up. You're still thinking, well, that's Old Testament, man. We don't have to do that anymore. First Corinthians 16, Paul in the New Testament. Paul says, on the first day of the week, there it is again, on, on the first day of your week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. There it is, Pastor Tommy. He just said, he didn't say the tithe. He didn't say the first tenth. He just said a sum of money. And I love me a dollar bill when I go to church. Well, let's read on. In keeping with your income. In other words, the tithe, the tithe is a beautiful statement of equality in the family of God. Now, I'm going to ruffle up a few feathers here for a second to have a little fun. Any of you that have a, a biological brother or sister or stepbrother or sister, and you're convinced that you do more work around the house than your, than your sibling um, I see already some students saying, I do all the work, I do all the work. I'm telling you right now, my sister was just plumb lazy growing up. She was just plumb lazy. And, uh, of course, my mom and dad would probably say amen to that. And um, here's the deal, though. 
what would I say? I would say comments like, I'm tired of me carrying all the weight around this, cleaning up this kitchen. You need to do your fair share. Here's the beautiful thing about the tithe in the family of God. The tithe is the same for everybody. God's not asking you to give X amount of money and you give X amount of money. The tithe is the sum of money keeping with your income. The reason this is so critical, you got to understand, most recent study out of Gateway Church here in our Metroplex with Pastor Robert Morris, one of the great minds of Christianity. Love me some, some, some Pastor Morris. One of the most recent studies done out of Gateway is out of all Christians, not churchgoers, Christians, those that have given their hearts to Jesus Christ, only 3.5% are tithers. And then you wonder how, you know, that's why churches get stressed. That's why the family of God gets stressed. And the stress is the same in the, in the family of God as it is in your family. And what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to lift that stress load off your marriage. Lift that stress load by me having to give more money away. No, 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 no. By creating lordship in your heart. Because I can promise you this much. When you take the step of faith in tithing, you will see a breakthrough like you've never seen before. Let's move on. Once you do that, that means you've got something left over for yourself. And now the hard work starts. Tithing is not the hard part. Tithing's the easy part. The hard part is the stewardship over the 90%. That's the hard part. This is what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 21 and 5. Everyone in this room, if you're sleeping, you got to catch Proverbs 21 and 5. Proverbs 21 and 5, here's the game changer for all of us. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. You could tithe all you want. But if you're silly with the 90% left over, you'll be as broke as Cooter Brown. And I don't even know who that is. But we've all heard about old Cooter Brown before. I'm not going to say the word stupid. Nobody likes that word. It's not appropriate in the pulpit. pulpit. So I'm going to say the word silly. Silly. I'm, I'm going to avoid saying stupid because nobody wants to be called stupid. So I'm going to say silly in the place of stupid because stupid's not good. So I'm not going to say stupid. But if you're silly, I'm not saying stupid, but if you're silly with the 90%, I can promise you this much, tithing is not of any value to you. But if you're an absolute genius with the stewardship of what's yours and not tithing, what's yours is not going to be of any value to you either. It starts with returning the first to God and then you hustling and realizing that God's calling you to get yourself educated, to get yourself competent, to get yourself comfortable, to get yourself confident in managing what God has blessed you with. Because whether it's a hundred or a thousand or a hundred thousand or a million or the ten million because you gave your kids away for adoption, it doesn't matter how much money we're talking about, you better put God first and you better know how to handle what's left. Well, help us understand how do we handle what's left because 
My dad didn't teach me that, and, and, and I didn't have a class in school that taught me that. I, I wasn't in a position in life to teach you that. Well, that's where this church comes to be your best friend because we have small groups that focus on it. We have one particular small group that over the years, it's, it's, it, I promise you, we're probably sniffing over a million dollars of debt that's been washed away. It's called Financial Peace University. And I'm not making that figure up. I'm telling you, there are families in this church that were fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 in debt and in about a year's time, completely debt-free. Well, what, did, did they give their kids up again? For, no, it had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with coming into covenant with God in tithing and learning how to steward over what's left. And my job as your pastor, I can't save you. But while God allows me to be a part of your world, I can show you in Scripture how to handle this thing called life. And it's not my wisdom. Lord, if we're left up with my wisdom, we're all in trouble. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit's leading of the Scripture. I want to tell you a testimony. One of our incredible young couples in our church, he's the soccer coach over in the Joshua Independent School District. His name is, his name is Rudy. He's married to beautiful Selena. She's one of our vocalists during our big choir days, and she's a music teacher. And these are two people, two young adults that have a beautiful little baby boy, Leonardo. Let me tell you their story about stewardship, and they're going to tell it through video today. Hi, my name is Rodolfo Garcia, and this is my wife, Selena Garcia. We got married four years ago. Um, we are both teachers, uh, so we were living in teacher salary. We were living in a small apartment, and we thought we were budgeting pretty well until um, we met with Financial Peace University. We took the class in November, and we found out we were pregnant in December, and so we were in a rush to uh, just start the snowball effect. We were in a rush to also save. Um, due to financial peace, we were able to get a good uh, down payment for our house. We were first-time homeowners, and uh, we were able to cut our budget in half. So I was able to stay at home with baby Leonardo, and uh, due to that, we are still on a really good track with financial peace. Yes, we're so thankful for that we have financial freedom now, and it's, it's been great. It's been great year for us here's the deal did you catch that word financial freedom did you hear it the freedom is freedom from the lies of the enemy let me tell you what the enemy has told some of you and you may have never told a soul this you may have never opened up your mouth to even your husband you've probably never even told your wife this statement but you believe it we'll never get out of this debt we got ourselves into it and it's never going to be different than where we are there's some of you in this room you fully believe it with all your heart you're never going to see abundance can I tell you something that's the work of fear the enemy has you believing right now that you're never going to have any more than you have it's the work of fear and I bind the lion spirit of the enemy in your mind because you're just two critical decisions away from being free. Pastor Tommy, why would you take a whole Sunday to try to help me with my debt because I don't want to help you with your divorce? 
And I don't want to help you with your problems with your kids over money. And I don't want to help you whenever I have to come visit you in a hospital because of your mental breakdown over something silly called money. Money is money. It's just money. The enemy has you thinking that, you're, that it's your master. And it's not. It's just money. You're going to get a hold of this. You've got to get a hold of this. Or it's going to be the ultimate thing in your life that's going to drive you crazy. You really care enough about us to just get into our personal business? Yeah. I'm in your personal business. That's what a pastor does. Again, you can go to heaven. We're going to be doing life together in eternity. But until we get there, wouldn't you like to find freedom? So what are those two steps? You're going to have to start tithing. And it's not for my good. It's not for this church's good. It's for your good. Because what it symbolizes is the ultimate position of your heart. You can't serve two masters. You cannot, you cannot want all of God if God does not have all of you. You're going to have to put him first. And then secondly, you're going to have to submit and allow someone to help you steward over what's left. And if you, if, if, if you don't, you know, if you don't think you need help in that area, that's fine. Because some of you are very, very competent in the area that I'm referring to. You just need to take the step of starting to put God first in tithing. And, and you're, just, you're just one step away from everything changing. Because you're good with money. You're a money manager. And because you're so good with it, you don't think the math adds up. Math probably won't add up. It's a supernatural step of faith. But watch what happens when you swing that door open. But then there are a few of you that you're honest. You're honest. You admit, you know what? It's just not my gift, man. Okay? That step of honesty is going to change everything in your world. Financial Peace University says that 94% of all Americans do not live on a budget. That's. 94% don't live on a budget. It shouldn't shock us. Because let's be honest with where we're living. I mean, we got, we got problems in this area. See, God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to get you free from your issues. And you can give your heart to Jesus Christ today, and the credit card bill is still due on the 20th. He wants to help you with your issues. So, I'm going to close this service in a very unique way. I want you to stand. And we're not going to embarrass anybody. We're not going to infringe on anybody's privacy. I'm about, I'm about done. I just need, I need about three minutes, and then we're going to pray over you. But I'm about to ask a question. And I'm going to ask you to be as open and honest as you could ever be. I'm fixing to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment. And it's a big deal. You may say, well, I got to raise my hand because you don't want to. I'm about to ask you to raise your hand if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you need to realign some things and put God back into first place. And here's the big one. 
if you're willing to test God in the faith step of tithing, I just don't know if I can do it. You can't afford not to at this point. And secondly, if you're willing to get a hold of some stewardship principles to help your family out. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're ready to take a chance on God and say, you know what? I need to put you first in my life. I need to realign some of my priorities and I need to get a hold of this thing because we're swimming in problems right now. It's, it's bringing fusses and fights with my spouse and the kids are seeing us fuss and fighting. We both love each other. We're healthy in our love for one another, but this money thing's got us in trouble. If you're willing to take a chance on God to give him the lordship that he wants, I want you to step out of your pride and I want you to lift your hand. And I know that's scary right now. I know it's scary. But I want you to leave it up. And there's a reason I want you to leave it up. Because every second it's up, you're already taking steps to victory. You feel that? It was terrifying to even lift it while ago. But just look, you feel that? It's In, in a weird way, it's kind of like, wow, I can't believe I'm admitting this. It's okay. You're in a safe place right now. Holy Spirit's not embarrassed about it. Holy Spirit's not scared about it. Holy Spirit's not intimidated about it. Holy Spirit's loving this because he's seeing some people say, I want to be honest in the presence of God. I can already kind of feel like chains breaking off of people right now, man, just by having your hand up. You're, you're, You're like getting some victory right now. I see tears falling. I know your heart's probably beating out of your chest, but doesn't it feel good just to come clean with this thing, this topic that nobody wants to deal with, this elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about and address? Hey, guys, this is real life, man. I don't want you to just hear songs and get you all worked up with cool music and stuff. This is where you're living, and I'm here to help you with it by the help of the Holy Spirit. If your hand's lifted up, I'm fixing a prayer over you. And I'm asking you just to come into agreement with me. I can't do the work for you. Only you can. But I can promise you this much. God's in your corner. And God's going to help you with it. If you're willing to do what you can do, he's going to do what you can't. He'll do the supernatural breaking of the chain if you'll be willing to call on his name. Are you ready? It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I come into agreement with every hand that's lifted. Some of these hands are barely lifted because, God, they're just terrified. They may have even been here before. <laughs> Maybe this is their second, third time to hear a sermon like this. And they've, they've always wanted something, but they've, they just keep slipping in this area. Well, I come against that lie. That is fear. And you're not the author of fear. You're not the author of confusion. You're the author of peace and of a sound mind. So I come into agreement with every hand that's lifted in the name of Jesus We're going to get a hold of this issue in our homes. We're not going to allow it to be a problem again. We're not going to fuss about it. We're going to communicate openly and clearly with our family about it. It's not going to be something we're scared to deal with. We're going to look the devil in the eye and we're going to deal with it. You're the Lord of our home. We declare you the Lord of our home. And we're going to show you that you're the Lord of our home. 
We're going to come into covenant with you, O God, and we're going to return the first unto you. And we're going to learn how to manage what you have blessed us with. You have been so good to us. You've given us health in our bodies and minds and strength in our bodies and minds to work. And you have provided the harvest for our labor. And you're going to help us with the spirit of squander and the spirit of lack and the attitude of loss. And we're going to come out on top of this. We're going to be a testimony just like we saw on video. We're going to have our own story of breakthrough and victory. And for every person that's lifted their hand, I pray this blessing over you in the name of Jesus Christ. Be free from the stress of something silly like money. Be free from it. Be free from it. Be healthy in this area. Be solvent in this area. May the spirit of the blessing of equity come upon your life and abundance come upon your life. May the beautiful miracle of increase come upon your life. As you begin to put God first, may God's blessings flow on you like rain in a drought place. In the name of Jesus, let it be. Amen and amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today. Amen. Amen. You watch what's going to happen in your life. It's not my word. It's the word of the Lord. And his word is true. Someone say, I receive. I love this church so much. I love all of you. What a great day we've had together.